When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. friends and welcome to the happy hour with jamie ivy podcast i'm your host jamie and i am so excited that you're here every week i invite a girlfriend to join me on the show and we chat about the big things in life the little things in life and everything in between before we get to our show today i want to thank one of our sponsors and that is sacred holidays this advent which advent is the days leading up to christmas sacred holidays has released a new devotional and it's called he is the attributes of god They have a devotional for women, one for families, one for men, and one for teen girls as well. Each day will focus on a different attribute of God, but each study will focus on the same attribute each day, which means you could be doing it along with your husband and along with your teenager or your family, and it has different content, but the same attribute every day. I was so thankful to be a contributor to this study, as well as some of the past guests that have been here before, Bailey Hurd, Kat Armstrong, Jen Sprinkle, Deborah Parker, plus an additional 95 other contributors contributed all of these studies. Also, guys, they give 10% of their profits to provide Advent studies for women in prison. You know that's near and dear to my heart, and so you can order these studies knowing that 10% of their profits are going to give back so that women in prison can also be studying the attributes of God this Advent season. You can order your study at sacredholidays.com and be sure to use the promotional code HAPPYHOUR to get 10% off your total order. If you can't remember that, guys, don't worry. It's always over my webpage, jamieivy.com. Guys, today you're listening to episode number 114 with Allie Worthington. Allie and I had such a great time chatting. Um, Allie's motto is she helps women live the life they were created to live. Uh, I want Allie in my life for that. Uh, She's a wife, a mom to five boys, author of a book called Breaking Busy. She's a speaker and executive director of Propel Women. If you want to send us a message about anything from the show, we'd love to hear from you. Over on Twitter, my handle is at Jamie underscore Ivy and Allie's is at Allie, A-L-L-I. Hey guys, um, I have a favor to ask you. If you're loving the happy hour, would you head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating or review? What it does is it really helps other listeners find the show. And I am finding out every week new people who are joining in and listening to the happy hour. So I want to thank you to Kelsey who left a review recently. Kelsey said this, I absolutely love the happy hour. I find time each week, sometimes many times a week. To listen to Jamie and her guests, what I love about the show is that I may or may not know who the guest is before I listen, but every time I leave in awe because I've learned about a new idea, organization, movement, cause, or just learned a new way of thinking. Jamie always keeps it light and fun, yet also digs into the deep, intimate moments, leaving you feeling refreshed and ready to take on the world. Kelsey, thanks so much for that review, and I'm really thankful anytime someone said something kind about the show. So thank you so much. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Allie. Hi, Allie. Hi. Welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. I am excited to be on the happy hour. I'm so glad that you are on the happy hour. And it's not like a real happy hour because it's 1030 in the morning. But (laughs) (laughs) if it wasn't, we could actually, and if I was in Nashville, which I'm assuming that's where you are today, but we're going to do it on Skype. That's right. If it was in Nashville, it'd be a really fun, happy hour. Oh, I love Nashville. I, I say this a lot. We used to live in Murfreesboro. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, just right outside of Nashville. And I've been back to Nashville. We've been in Austin now for eight years. And I've been back a handful of times in Nashville. I was just there this past spring. And let me just tell you, it has changed since we left eight years ago. It really is a happening city. It's a joke. It's where all the cool kids live. (laughs) And, you know, if you suffer from any sort of FOMO at all, it's really hard on the heart to be in the area. My, My husband and I, we have five boys. And I travel a lot for work anyway. And, you know, I just, I, there's something fun and exciting going on in Nashville every day of the week. And so even though I make the decision to stay home with the family, you know, my boys, my, my oldest boy, he's a senior in high school. He's going to be gone next year. So I 
I have the rest of my life to go do fun things in Nashville with friends. Like we really got to stay home with the kids right now. But still, you know, you scroll through Instagram and Facebook and everybody's literally having the time of their lives in Nashville every single day. That's how it is in Austin as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so much fun here. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. It's a blessing and a curse. Like give me 10 years when all the kids are out of the house. And uh-huh. like, oh, extrovert time all the time. But But now I have to just put my phone down because I get mad. And you're like, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> okay, so are you actually in Nashville or do you live outside of Nashville? We live outside of Nashville. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where do you live? Do you want to say? Do you care? Um, I normally don't say. But oh, I'll- don't then. Oh, okay. I mean, you can. I don't care. I feel like I got nervous. Like I'm, I'm asking you to say something. Well, my, well, I mean, every tell in the world. Now, my husband gets a little nervous because we have had people show up at our door. Are you kidding? Yeah. So I need to hear about this. What he, happened? He gets a little weird. So he doesn't like for me to... Tell okay. everybody where we live. Yeah. Well, then don't tell anyone where you live, but can you tell me the story of when sh- someone showed up at your door? Yeah, it was um, It was early on in like blogging world. It was in 2008 and we put a house up for sale and I had posted about it online and people came and looked at the house under the auspices of buying it, but it was no house. Yeah. <gasps> when did you find out? Oh, pretty soon after, within a week. Did you feel kind of used? Like, what? Yeah. And my husband was like, well, this hobby you have. <laughs> we need to is, talk about this. This is kind of weird. So, yeah. So so he probably makes me be a little more private than I would be by choice. But uh-huh. out of respect for him, you know, I do it. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Well, you know, it's funny because... I host events at my house through the happy hour. Like I've done happy hour live. We did it in March and we have another one. By the time this airs, it will have already happened. But my girlfriends, when I was telling them, hey, I'm going to have this like party and I'm going to invite people to my home that I don't know. and I'm going to sell tickets. And they were really super (laughs) concerned that they were going to be crazy people show up at my house. I think it's less about crazy people and it's more. We, we, we get these connections with people that listen to us or read us like they know the deepest, darkest parts of our our, our story mm-hmm. and who we are. And so you become friends with them, even though you don't know them. Right. <laughs> right. And it's not like crazy people showing up. It's it's legitimately people that love you. Uh huh. And just are like, I thought I would come visit like that. That's. That's the thing that scares my husband most. It's not like someone's going to come attack us. It's more of, can we just have our little safe space that's private? Yeah. Because he is super private and introverted. I'm guessing that your husband is not. He's not. I mean, no crazy people showed up and it was a fabulous event. So fabulous. We said we're going to do it again. But it is just now I'll tell you this, Allie, and I'll ask you this question. Living in the social media world and both of us doing stuff that is kind of in public and online and, and people do get to know us so well, my boys, I have three boys and a girl and my oldest is 12. My youngest is eight. And I have one of my kids who, if I just like, we're out and I'm like, Oh, y'all get together. I want to take your picture. He'll be like, are you putting that on Instagram? And I'll say, no, I just want to take your picture. Like I I'm just your mom. Like I just want to take your picture. And he does not want me to put pictures of him up online. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I totally respect it. And if I do think I'm going to put something on, I always ask him. And he has said no. And I have been thought, I thought to myself, this would be a really cute picture. Or I could get a really good story to go along with this. And then I just don't do it. Yeah. Two of my boys aren't into pictures of themselves being posted at all, unless it's a group shot. Now, my oldest son... He loves what I do and he will totally take advantage. Like a few years ago, we, <laughs> we met Toby Mac. Uh-huh. And he was like, okay, I don't want you to post anything about meeting Toby Mac. This one's mine. It's, I, I'm saving this one for my Instagram. Oh, right? yeah. So, so he's totally into it. But yeah, I mean, guarding, guarding their privacy and not making, for, for us, I have to be conscientious of not making my family my fodder in a way that almost commodifies them. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I came from my background. I started just as a personal blogger and w- what sometimes can happen in the ugly side of personal blogging. Oh, here. Sorry. Everybody listen to me. That's going to hate me right now. I'm sorry, but I speak, I speak my mind way too much. Okay. Bad side of personal blogging when it turns into a business like for sponsorship dollars is all of a sudden, you know, you're getting paid 
$1,000 from Pampers, but you have to do sponsored content. So even if your child's sick that day, like it's your due date, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once I saw the personal blogging space going in that direction, where it, it sucked all the joy, you know, the, the kind of natural, natural inclination out of it, mm-hmm. that's when I got out of it. I went, okay, this isn't, this, this isn't healthy for me and my family. And I know not everyone's that way, but, um, I saw it a lot kind of in the early stages, like 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah, I could see that totally. I started blogging in 2005 and it was mainly because we lived in Tennessee and all of our family lived in Texas. So it started as this like, oh, I'm going to show my mom all the pictures of the kids, right? Yeah. Well, as my kids are older now, I mean, I don't blog. And when they're younger, I would blog about potty training them or the frustrations about this or that and all that kind of stuff. And you're right. They were a lot of my content. And as they got older, I didn't feel comfortable using them as my content anymore. And I'm telling you, my blogging went down like 99.9%. Yeah. And some people can do it beautifully. I think I had a little too much of a touch of business in me. Uh-huh. I'd be like, oh, look at all the groceries I can buy this week. If I just do this <laughs> sponsored post for Pampers, but can everybody look happy? And can we spend a day cleaning the house before then? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. It just like it. It touched upon a, a part of me that I didn't want to to let out. Yeah. Like I'm much better helping people with business. I'm much better helping um, helping people be successful than going down that road. I love it, and I I love that about you is that you are this businesswoman um, who desires to see all women like fulfilled in their calling, whatever that might be, whether that yeah. is their you know, staying home with their children for this season, or they're running their own shop and being just like an amazing entrepreneur, or whether they're teaching fourth grade, like whatever it is, I really see in what you do and everything you put out there, this passion for wanting women to do what they're called to do the best that they can. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, I am really obsessed with it. I mean, obsessed. It's a good thing to be obsessed with. And we need that. Like, I think that that's good for people to hear that because women, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too, is that we can get sucked into this trap of like, I'm only successful or I'm only being used by God or I'm only doing something if it looks like what I see this other person doing because they seem successful, you know? And so then we get in a trap of like, well, what does success equal for me? Well, and that's, I like it that you even use the word success because sometime, especially kind of in the, the Christian culture, we think of success as a bad word. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we tie it with pride. Yep. But I think God does want us to be successful. He wants our marriages to be successful. He wants our parenting to be successful. He wants our businesses to be successful. We, we as especially people who live in the Western culture, we have the whole world at our fingertips. We have the whole internet. We have, I mean, you can go online and learn whatever you want to. You can start your own business. Like the opportunities are endless. If we aren't successful, Who's going to be mm. right? Like we have the opportunity to, to grow and build and, and live the life that God really wants us to live yeah. and get out of our own way more than anybody else. So I feel like it's almost our duty to, to do as good of a job as we can with what we're given, because literally we have the whole world at our fingertips. That's interesting that you said the word success is sometimes feels like this kind of weird, dirty word. We don't want to say it out loud in the Christian culture. And I have been walking through that a little bit in the past year of really starting to define what success looks like for me personally, you know, like if this happens, then I feel like I'm a success and being okay with what I'm quantity, what I'm making success for me. Does that make sense? Like before I would have been timid to say what I thought success was. I'll give you an example. Um, I am about to start writing my first book and someone asked me what would be a success for you with your book? And I said, well, of course I want to encourage women. That would be success. And then I kind of got quiet and I was like, and I kind of want to sell a lot of books. And I (laughs) felt like, (laughs) I felt like, can I say that out loud and still be a Christian? You know what I mean? Like that felt weird. Well, it's, it's also, it's not just be a Christian, Christian woman. Okay. There you go. Because a dude, a dude can say that all Mm. day long and nobody worries an eyebrow. Yeah. But if a woman says it, then it's, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's in fact, I'm, I mean, breaking busy came out this year, did well. I'm already diving into writing the next book and it's about fear. And so I'm writing this chapter on fear of failure. And I, I opened the chapter by explaining that I was terrified that the book was going to fail before it came out. The breaking busy book. Breaking Uh busy. Yeah. Uh 
because it is terrifying to launch a book. It's like walking into a crowded room naked and then saying, hey, everybody, here's my whole <laughs> life. Here's every every place in my life that I've screwed up. And here here's what you can get out of it. Right. Holly, like, I'm sweating just hearing you talk about it. like I'm just like nervous. Yes, I know. So and so I'm, I'm, I'm telling everyone in this book and I'm thinking people are going to think that I'm so prideful and that this was my fear. But I was afraid not only that it was going to fail and I would embarrass my family because I'm telling all their stories mm-hmm. that I was going to let Jesus down. Cause for Pete's sake, I'm writing a book about what Jesus taught me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. On my yes. But then also I'm a businesswoman. So I'm like, I'm, I was worried, like, what if it doesn't sell? And it, and this, the publishers that have invested in me, the people, I mean, it takes about 50 gazillion people. Sure, to get a book yeah. book, right? And, and so I, I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night sweating. Like I would think of myself, you know, I'd have these dreams and I would be out in the middle of a city and I would be yelling at people in the street, go buy my book. <laughs> or, or like, I'd be rolling up to garage sales, like passing out copies for a quarter, uh, out of my trunk. Like oh. these are, these are the worries that I had. And, and for me, I had to go, okay, how do I, how do I overcome this fear of failure? How do I stay focused on this is the call I believe God gave me. And how do I not let everybody else's success metrics mm, affect yeah. my view? Uh-huh. That was the real key. But, you know, the devil, uh, the devil will go into wherever we're feeling weak or wherever we're feeling vulnerable, find that little area and just focus, focus, focus all day long. So how did you, I mean, these dreams and you're realizing this and now you're writing a book about, or it's a <laughs> chapter in your book about failing and Tell me, yeah. like, tell tell us, like, how did you get past that and keep moving? How did that fear not like paralyze you? Well, for me, I had to decide what what does success look like. Okay, what does yeah. success uh-huh. for me look like? Um, and stay focused on the original call of writing the book. The original call of writing the book was to help women get unstuck. Mm-hmm. The original call was to say, okay, here here is our problem in in culture. Our problem in culture is. We're all so busy that it's sucking the joy out of life to find out the real reason for that. And it's not time management mm-hmm. and help women with that. And God, only, here's the thing. I'm a marketer. I can market things all day long, but you can, you can only push a rock so far uphill in your own strength. Mm-hmm. Wherever my book or any book goes, it's not up to marketing. It's not up to slick sales. It's not up to promotion. God will do what God will do. God only brings the increase. And so I, I made peace with that going, I will do everything I can do to make sure I help everybody this is supposed to help. But when it comes to the end of the day, my obedience to the call, my being a good businesswoman to the publisher and fulfilling my end of the contract, you know, because mm-hmm. we're grownups here, right. um, is what matters. Everything else the Lord's going to do. He'll do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He always does. That's good. And I think That's that good. you can take that and transform it into anything that, and we're talking to women here because that's who listens to the show because a man would never spend an hour listening to women talk. But uh, I think you can take, (laughs) yeah, uh, you can take (laughs) that and put it on any woman, not even, not even, we're not talking like if you're writing a book or if you're a marketer or if you work here, but I'm even thinking like, Allie, like I even think when you're talking through that, like parenting, when I look at my four kids, what is my, what is my end goal? Like what is success for me? And, and so as long as I'm parenting in a way that is always pointing towards that success at the end of the day, um, then I think I can sleep at night, right? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's when, it's when we get focused on all the shoulds, mm-hmm. all the, all the what ifs. Um, it's for me, I mean, I, I'm learning this concept of triggers more and more all the time of what triggers me to feel competitive? What triggers me to feel insecure? What triggers me to feel like I need to strive to do better, which is really ultimately the cause of busyness. And one of my big triggers is social media. I love social media. Like I, I sleep with my phone. I have an unhealthy relationship. Uh (laughs) Um, but I know when I start focusing on the outside world, when I start focusing on what everybody else is doing, that's, that's what triggers me. And that's when I forget what success means to me. Uh. Because it's also, it's also a false reality. Totally. Like I, if I'm having a bad week, I just won't post on Instagram. Nobody needs to see the pile of laundry and nobody actually wants to. So I have this kind of idea with social media being, especially Instagram. Instagram is all happy, happy all the time. Uh 
if my account or anybody's account was just like, woe is me, I'm feeling bad today, here's my dirty laundry, or look, the dog threw uh-huh. up, like, nobody really wants to see that. Right. So, like, like it's kind of the... Un- understood thing, we're going to put fun things. We're going to put entertaining. We're going to put encouraging things up. It's just what we do. And if we can remember to keep that in the forefront of our heads, when we're looking through it, it'll help us not to internalize the, well, everybody else is having fun and my child's throwing up. Right. (laughs) Or everybody's (laughs) out at night and my husband's out of town and I'm here with four kids. Exactly. You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. Goodyear Auto Service takes pride in caring for your car. Get in the groove with Goodyear's technician tips. Number 13, inspect your tread. Like a podcast, you're an investigative journalist finding the cracks in the case. And number 64, pump your brakes before you crank that debate. Coming in for routine brake checks are essential for your safety. Goodyear Auto Service, here for the bumps in the road. Get more tips at GoodyearAutoService.com. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Speaking of looking around and seeing what people are doing, um, you're a mom to five. Mm-hmm. All boys. Yep. All boys. My house smells terrible. <laughs> Which I have to say, I have three boys and one girl, and I love all of my kids dearly. Um, but I would take more boys than more girls any day. People with, with boys and girls always tell me this all day long. It's so true. Let me just tell you, it's the truth. Um, I'm thankful for my one daughter. Um, I'm glad I don't have five of them, you know, so there's that. I once, I once asked Mark, my husband, what do you think life would look like if we had five girls instead of boys? And he has such a dry sense of humor. Uh-huh. He said, well, I think I'd be living in a tent out in the yard. <laughs> He's like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So you're the outnumbered one. Um, but I want to talk to you about this because I think all of us mamas, we need to talk about this and we need to hear you encourage us that it's okay to do what we're about to talk about. Um, in your book, breaking busy, one of the chapters you talk about was traditions. Mm -hmm. Oh my word traditions. Um, and the subtitle of the chapter is finding your groove in a world of expectations. And it started, and I just want to tell you, I'm going to read part of your book real quick, if that's okay with you. Um, it's when I read this, I was like. You actually experienced one in my bucket list. So I'm just going to let you know when you get to visit Kathy Lee and Hoda on the Today Show, it's a bucket list thing of mine. They're pretty awesome. I can only imagine how awesome they are because I want to sit at that table and drink wine with them in the morning because (laughs) they just seem so fun. They're they're really fun. Um, I've been on there a couple of times and both times. Like you sit in the green room for two hours and it's just miserable because it's just you and a bunch of other really, really, really nervous people, Uh right? Yeah. One time I was stuck in there with the Real Housewives from one of the shows. I don't even watch TV, so I don't know, but they were horrific. Anyway, um, so you can only imagine just like sitting in the corner trying to keep your stuff together because you're terrified. Oh my gosh. 
And you kind of watch like Kathy Lee and Hoda kind of come through and, and like, just go, go up to the woman who's serving the breakfast in the green room and love on them and care about them and ask them about their family. Like you see that and you're like, Oh man, you guys are the real yeah. deal. Like, I love you guys. So I can't say enough great things about them. Uh, well, Kathy Lee is one of my, like, if I had to, when I have my little dream list of people that I'd love to have on the show and she's one of them. So there's that. Okay. But this chapter, you talk about traditions and you wrote um, a blog post around Christmas time um, one year <laughs> and you said this, and I think I want to send this email out to everyone I know this year. You said this to start. I've got five kids right there. That's no less than 25 teachers, a dozen coaches, countless parties, Sunday school instructors, etc. I'm just like, I'm reading this going. Yes. If I added up all the people affiliated with my kids and I'm supposed to bake cookies for or give gifts to, I'd never have time to breathe, let alone enjoy myself. Even if I didn't have any children, the season is full of obligations, parties, gift and cookie exchanges, secret Santa, this or that. Don't forget the elf thing, too. You didn't put that in there, but I think you would now. Uh, I don't even do that stupid. Elf I know. Thing. I don't either, yeah. but it's there. You know, it's, it's expected. Party invitations are on every corner, et cetera. It's all too much. And then you went on to the, and you added this. And you said, so the next time you sigh with exasperation and stress because you haven't even ordered your holiday cards yet, let alone sent them. Remember this. You don't have to be all things to all people. Just be the best you to the people who matter the most. I was like, oh my gosh, Allie, a couple of years ago, I threw away a, a whole box of Christmas cards that never went out because every <laughs> year I say to myself, I'm going to send the cutest Christmas card ever and I don't send them or they get mailed in February and they say jo joy to the Lord, the King has come or something like that. Like I, Happy but I keep doing it. <laughs> like what's wrong with me? Talk to me and tell me why do I keep ordering Christmas cards that I never send out? Well, I think that very often we don't have a realistic view of how much time and energy that we really have. Mm -hmm. So when we think about our future selves, like I, I think my future self, future Allie's a lot like Superwoman. Like she doesn't eat carbs, <laughs> she wakes up in the morning and does Bible study. She exercises every day. She cards. Yes. yes, this is future Allie. Uh -huh. But what I don't realize is today's Allie off will become future Allie. Like I just don't do it. Yeah. And so a lot of it for me just came down to going, okay, do I want to be a crazed maniac fool for my children to try to, to try to live up to some standard that I'm holding myself to, or do I just want to have a happy Christmas? Uh. And that's, that's really what it came down to. I grew up watching all the women in my family just drive themselves crazy every Christmas and not if, and from my perspective, it didn't look like they were having fun mm. because they were doing so much work. Yeah. Now, since I've written that, and I've heard a lot of feedback from people who have read the book and who go, you know what? Hospitality, serving Christmas cards, that fills me up. That's what makes me happy. And my message to everyone who has that gift is God bless you. It makes up for people like me. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but but we have to give ourselves the grace and give other people the grace to really be who God created us to be. Like, that's just not what God put in me. Like, I, I would love to have those gifts. I just don't have it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like singing. I, I've been telling Jesus for about 25 years that if he would miraculously <laughs> give me the gift of singing, I would use it to his glory. Jesus, however, knows me better. He knows you wouldn't. He knows I wouldn't, you know, no way. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. We just, we have to take a realistic look of our energy and our gifts and what we want to do and run with it. Yeah. And I think that's so freeing. And I think also I'm thinking just about myself here. And I think a lot of women might fall into this kind of thinking is I come into every holiday season going, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what I did last year. I'm not going to put these false expectations on myself that I never live up to. And then I feel guilty that I'm a bad mom. Um, but I think it takes a little bit of like just sitting down in the quiet of ourselves and evaluating again, what would a successful December look like for me? And honestly, yes. Allie, success does not equal Christmas cards. And I don't know why I keep putting it in the list. Success for us has come down to something so small as we really, we, we like little Christmas trees around the house. Like we love that. We have a little Christmas village that I've built through the years from Goodwill. God bless Goodwill. Uh -huh. <laughs> And we send a, spend a lot of time um, snuggling and watching Christmas movies. And then we do some service projects through church, but that's about it. Mm. Everything else goes by the wayside. Yeah. I mean, I, I am one of those women. I kind of grew up in a bit of a, a hippie family and we didn't have a lot of money. So once I became an adult, that's when all the like 
um, Southern culture expectations came down on me because I didn't grow up in it. And I remember the first cookie exchange I went to as a married woman. (laughs) uh, We were living in Memphis and I literally showed up with Oreos and all the other moms were like, what, what, what are you doing? And I was like, Oreos are my favorite cookie. And they're like, you, you bake cookies and you bring your homemade recipe. And I was like, oh, sorry. Like I had no clue. I had no clue. Did you feel shamed and, or did you own it? Um, I owned it, but I always felt a little shamed yeah. before. Uh-huh. Like, well, no, no, that's a lie. That's I just lied to you. Okay. Um, I totally felt shamed back then, okay. but now I look back and I own. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. In the but moment. When you're in the moment, everything's embarrassing. Uh-huh. Like that's one of the reasons I fell in love with blogging. I, I was able to tell stories and, and now writing books, I'm, I'm able to tell stories to the world in a very vulnerable way that I would, that would flip my shame triggers if I told them in person sometimes. Mm. Like I found myself being able to tell the world stories that I would be embarrassed to tell the mom across a little kitty size table at my kid's school. Do you think time also helps that? Like you're not telling these stories in real time. Does that make sense? Like you're. Yeah, that totally helps. But we actually, we went bankrupt and homeless in 2008. So we, we lost everything except what fit into two storage units. And I like to say we lost everything before losing everything was cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and had to go live with my grandfather for six weeks. And, I started talking about it online just as soon, as soon as we kind of got back on our feet, Yeah, but I still didn't really tell anybody in my real life huh. what had happened. Um, but they would just read my blog and be like, we're so glad you guys are okay. And go, oh, thanks. Um, but it was, it, there was something about telling the world, but telling no one specifically mm-hmm. that started mm-hmm. making me brave enough to tell my story. Um, in real life and own it all the time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Is it easier now? Or do you think you've just learned? Um, not, and what I'm asking is not that it's easier because I think it's still hard for you. Maybe I'm assuming. Um, but what did you learn that made it okay? Did you learn that when you said it out loud online that people didn't like, they, they weren't upset with you. And so you felt like you had more freedom to say that. What did that look like for you learning to be okay with that? I'm not sure. That's a really great question. I mean, the way the way I kind of wrapped my brain around all of this in the beginning was I, I think of Internet Alley. Mm-hmm. Internet Alley was always very brave, like behind a computer. Oh, yeah. I was smart and capable and yada, yada, yada. But like real life, Alley's kind of introverted and a second guess myself. And it was through Internet Alley, you no, know, 10 years ago, kind of sharing stories and getting braver and getting stronger that turned real life alley into that person. Okay. Well, I'm glad the internet alley could push real life alley in that direction. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So now internet alley and real life alley are the same, but like I would be super brave and tell my stories because, you know, cause I wasn't looking someone in the eye. Yeah. And then the more I would share who I am, what I've been through, what I'm learning, the more women would say me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that realization um, that I could help people by sharing my story was great. Now I'm, uh, are have you done strength finders? Yes. Okay, so I'm obsessed with personality tests. Um strength finders is is fabulous, but there's lots of cool strengths that people can have like woo. I have no woo. <laughs> My number one strength finder sucks. It what is, is input. it? It's input. It's the most boring uh. one. Ever. It means I am a know-it-all. Like uh, and it's true. I'm the girl that read the encyclopedias. <laughs> I'm the girl like don't play trivial pursuit against me. I will win and I'll do a victory dance. Like I'm the worst. And what I've realized is God gave me that gift of input because he knew eventually I would be able to use that gift to help people. Uh So what was annoying when I was 13 is actually quite helpful because with teaching and writing, I'm able to tell stories and go, okay, here's how to apply this practically to your life. You know, like I'm, I'm not somebody who's going to tell a big emotional story and be like, and figure it out for yourself. I'm going to be like one, two, three, here's what you do. Uh Um, but so input can not suck so bad, but basically it still does. Cause I'm still a little (laughs) jealous that everybody has the fun one. So, so my strength finders are input, activator, achiever, futuristic, and relator. This sounds like someone who's just going to get stuff done. 
I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my tendency is if there's a door of opportunity to kind of kick it down with a boot uh-huh. um, and I'm learning through breaking busy, I had to learn to like stop rushing through every door mm. and be intentional about things. Yeah. What about you? What are your strengths? I do know one of mine is um, communicator and one is empathy. That's all I got. Oh, see, communicator and empathy. That's better. <laughs> input is still awesome. Like the world needs everybody. I need you to input to me. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I just wish I had sexy strength. That's uh, all I'm saying. What are the sexiest strengths there are, you think? Well, I don't know. Don't put me on the hook. <laughs> I think woo is great. Probably something with people. Wait, I don't Who even knows? know what woo means when you say that. Woo means like you walk in a room and everybody loves you and you love everybody else. Like you woo them. Okay, that's a sexy strength. You're right. Right? Yeah. That's like charisma. I'm like input. Come talk to me and I'll go over the latest research trends. Yay. Oh my gosh. But you know what? We need all people. I guess so. I'm just, I'm just evening out the, uh, the body of Christ. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Hey guys, we'll get right back to my interview with Allie. But first I want to be sure you know about Winterfest at Pine Cove Camps this December 16th through 18th. It's full on summer camp packed into one weekend right before Christmas. This is a perfect weekend for your kids to come experience camp for the first time in a safe environment with Pine Cove's amazing counselors. They'll get to try out some of the super fun activities like zip lines, horseback riding, high ropes courses, and more, while their intentional Jesus-loving counselors invest in them throughout the weekend. This is a great way to kick off your kids' Christmas break, whether they're gone to camp for years or if this is their first time. Guys, you can see all the information at pinecove.com winterfest. You can sign up your first through 12th grader today. And now back to my conversation with Allie. Okay, you're a, a mom to five. I've said that before. You said to me something in the thing I asked you about, about hyper-parenting. Oh, yeah. And you told me something that I think the world needs to know, is that you let your kids, your younger kids, I'm assuming elementary maybe, pick one birthday party a year. I sure do. Like you tell them, okay, it's a new year. You better pick it wisely. Uh, and we just started the school year now. My youngest, Jeremiah, is in second grade, and he got his first party invitation. And I was like, is this the kid you really want to go to their party? <laughs> you got to waste it on Presley? Come on. This Here's is so much Presley. freedom, Allie. Okay, so are they mad about it? Or are they just like, uh, it's the way we do things? It's just the way they do. I mean, I think because there's five of them, they're, they just know they. that's just that's the way what we it do is. things. Yeah. There's too many kids oh, for real. to be able to do it all the time. So, so they know they get to go to one a year and they have to, they have to pick wisely. Yeah. And that way also you don't hurt other kids' feelings. If you can only go to one, you're like, oh, sorry, I only get to one, go to one birthday party a year. <laughs> Mom already took me. So, so sorry. Send your invite mm-hmm. out earlier. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll tell you this. I have not taken birthday presents to a lot of birthday parties. And I feel guilt the entire time I'm there. And isn't that awful? Because if a mom came to me and she brought her kid to one of my kids' birthday parties and she told me, I feel really guilty. We didn't bring a gift. I would look at her straight in the eyes and say, are you kidding me? Please. We don't need your gifts. I'm so glad you're here. Seriously. But then when I do it, I just feel guilty. Like the other moms are thinking, well, that's rude. She didn't even bring a gift. But. Okay. Okay. Hold on now. Our worst enemy as parents is the voice in our head that goes, what do the other moms think? Oh my gosh, that's so true. That is the worst. That will take you down faster than anything else. What, what do, like in the, it's like the, the other moms, we give them the power of the Avengers in our head. Like who cares if some other moms aren't pleased with you? First of all, nobody's thinking about you at all. That's exactly right. With their own tornado of their lives. Every, everybody's always thinking, am I okay? Uh Uh-huh. Is, is this situation okay? Are my kids okay? Cool. Uh-huh. And if there is another mom out there who is thinking about you, judging you, you don't want anything to do with that mom anyway. It's so true. Whenever I like have these moments, which I will say this, they are a lot fewer than they used to be because now I'm just like, I really don't have time to worry about that. But anytime I have these moments and I tell Aaron, my husband, he always tells me the same thing. He's like, Jamie, listen, people really aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's You'd like so to think true. You are. It's kind of like how um, when friends don't re- reach out to us, it's easy to get our feelings hurt, like they don't love us anymore. 
But normally they're just wrapped up, like I said, in the tornado of their own lives. And if you reach out, they'll say, oh, my goodness, thank you so much for reaching out. Life's been crazy. Mm -hmm. Because that's just the life we're all living. Yeah, totally. Totally the life. Um, Okay, well, I love that freedom that you do. And I think there are going to be some moms that are going to be taking that in um, as well. Another freedom, I think you, I don't know what you do, but I have a girlfriend who she refused to do birthday parties until her kids were old enough to understand them. Oh, that's fantastic. We don't do that. What we do, we do family birthday parties. And so there'll be a certain amount of money. And so my, my boys are actually pretty practical. So I'll say, here's the money we have because hello, money's not unlimited, right. even for children. Uh-huh. Um, would you rather spend this money on a big party or would you rather spend this money on the things that you want? And we have a family birthday party. And most of the time they pick family birthday party. Yeah, we do the same thing. We tell them you can have a party or we'll give you $70. I love that. And you know what? All my kids are taking the cash these days and I love it. Because I mean, and, and some women like they'll plan a party for a whole year and they'll have like Elsa and Olaf <laughs> and it'll be amazing. Yeah. And, and I'm like, please invite me to that party. I'll bring a great gift. Yeah. Like I, I want to attend, but I don't want to do it. Like that's not my jam. Cause it's not my gifting. And so I've had seasons in my life where I have tried to do things that weren't in my, my wheel of gifts. And they drain mm-hmm. the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. They, they make you miserable. They, they make, make you, you miserable. But for some yeah. friends, like you said, that that is their gifting. That actually gives them so much joy. And so I'm always like, I love you for that. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm the same uh-huh. way. Invite me to your dinner party because this is awesome. I love this. Like, I, and I will bring something store-bought. So I don't <laughs> some Oreos. You'll probably bring Oreos. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I will. They're great. And at Christmas, you, you can get like yeah. Christmas colored Oreos. I mean... Your, your cookies can be amazing, even if they're Oreos, Allie. See, I like this. Yes, yes. I like mine's. I like mine's for sure. Okay, so I want to know about what does a weekend look like for you guys? You are a mom who works full-time outside of the home, five mm-hmm. kids, travel, um, writing books, running an organization. What does a weekend look like for you guys at your house? Well, it depends on this time of year, but right now we're in the fall season, so school has begun. So Friday after school, we always go to a football game because our sophomore plays football. Okay. The senior played football up to this year, and he decided that he was just going to focus on photography and hang out, uh-huh. which I love. I love that too. Um, yeah. So he's like, I'm done. I'm a senior. I'm, I'm, I'm done with football. Yeah. Uh, we go to a football game. And then on Saturday mornings, I, I work from a home office. I lock myself in my home office and I write. So it's the only time I have all week to write. So whenever I'm working on a book, I will literally go to the family and go, okay, I need six months of Saturdays. Wow. I'm really, really sorry. Yeah. And how long do you spend in your office writing? It depends on how well I'm going that day. Some days I can be done in four. I can get a chapter done, the first draft of a chapter, which is always a terrible uh-huh. draft, mind you. Um, sometimes I can knock it out in four or five hours, but some, some Saturdays it's taken me up to 10. Wow, Allie. Will literally come out to eat, or if my husband is left to run an errand to stick my head out the door and yell at the children uh-huh. because well, I'm trying to write. Yeah. Um, so lock myself away on Saturdays, then we hang out Saturday night, then Sunday mornings church, and Sunday afternoon is hanging out and getting ready for school the next day. It's a pretty, it's a pretty boring <laughs> and um, and predictable weekend routine, but we place a high value in our family of being together and doing lots of snuggling. So. Like I love the snuggling. You've said that twice. Yeah, we it's a real high priority for us. Like the youngest, he just wants to hang out and watch SpongeBob. Mm. And if that makes him feel loved, you know, I like SpongeBob, so that'll do. Yeah. So, um we try my husband and I will go out occasionally uh with friends from church, maybe once a month, yeah. once every 6 weeks, uh-huh. but for my husband and I, it's easy for us to have a lot of alone time because I work from a home office. And he's a stay home dad. Mm. So we're kind of together a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can come down and eat lunch together. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We do every day. That's awesome. Aaron and I both work from home in different offices. I always, always want us to have one big office together. And he says that's his absolute worst nightmare. Like, it would be terrible. I, I want my husband has his MBA. So he's great at business. And a few years ago, I convinced him to run. The financial side of my business because uh-huh. hello, uh-huh. Mr. MBA. Yeah. Um, I can't even get my sales right on a spreadsheet sometimes. And it was Christmas Eve morning. I think it was like 2011. 
and we're on the couch. I look over at him and I ask him if you were responded to an email. And he said, babe, I love you. We have been married a long time. We have a very happy marriage. And I need you to know this whole working together thing is not going to work out. <laughs> he quit Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> he quit. And he was like, there's no way, no chance. I'm putting our marriage at risk by us working together. I love you, but no. And that was the end that of that. That was it. Yeah. Aaron and I could not work together either because we're both um, big achievers and big um, persisters, by meaning that we both think that the way that we're doing it is the best way um, and the yes. right way. And we're just going to keep doing it like this. And so we remember when we were dating, I mean, this is, you know, we've been married 15 years. We were dating. He was a youth pastor and we were at camp and we were setting up all the rec games, you know, like they all go out and do all the recreation games. And he mm -hmm. was setting them up the way he had for the past, however many times he'd done this. And I come in the very first time and go, I think it would be better if we did it this way. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm thinking, I look at things and I do see like, I think this would work better if we did it this way. It's, I, it's a gifting, but in this moment, it was not a gift because he was not happy with me saying that it worked better this way because he thought his way was perfectly fine. And we got in the biggest fight and we always joke about that. And we say we could never work together because we would just both be so bent on our way is the right way. Yep. Yep. Uh, my husband jokes, you should never work with who you sleep with. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> just, just sleep together and don't work together. Exactly. It's better that way anyways. Oh hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Oh my gosh. Okay, Allie, what are what are you reading these days? Well, it's not very exciting. It's okay. I've been asked this question, and and literally, I must have spent three or four minutes going. I should find a really exciting <laughs> book. I can tell her, like, I was going to try to fake it. It's terrible. Don't fake anything. I am. I'm rereading a classic that I've probably read twenty five times. I'm rereading Screw Tape Letters from C.S. Lewis. Okay. Have you read? Well, that? two things. Number one, first of all, I've said this on here before. I don't understand rereading books. Um. But number two, I am really embarrassed to say I've never read this book. Okay, I, I don't reread books unless it's like um, a, a business or research book uh -huh. like that, that I'm working on. But Screwtape Letters is so amazing. I can't say enough good things out of it. It's kind, it's kind of like, you know how you'll read a proverb one day and you'll be like, what? How did I never notice that proverb right. before? That's the Screwtape Letters. So the gist of it is... Screw tapes the devil, and he's mentoring the, his nephew devil on how to outwit humans, right? Huh? And it's just letters back and forth. It's super easy. You could read it in two hours. And literally every time I read it, I learn something new that I didn't understand before about the human condition, about how we behave, and about how the devil tries to trick us up. Like it's just, it's a genius work. And because my books and my work focus so much on helping people be successful, helping people get unstuck in life right. and how the devil uses all these tools to, to mess us up. Every time I read it, I go, oh my goodness, that's genius. Why didn't I realize that before? Mm. So if you ever read it, I want you to text me and tell me how brilliant it is because you're going to love it. Well, I will tell you this and I'll make this little promise. We're recording this about five weeks before your show is actually going to air. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say this before this show comes out, I'm going to read this book because oh, I've had yeah. so many people tell me it's one of their favorite books. And every time I go, golly, I've never read it. I'm going to read it, Allie. That's great. And the reason why you probably never read it is because it has a dumb name. Who wants to read a book called The Screw Tape Letter? <laughs> like as a marketer, that's just bad branding, but it's fantastic. You'll love it. Oh, uh, okay. I'm in it. So that's something you're rereading. Yep. Anything that you want to tell me that you were embarrassed to tell me that you're reading? No. Okay. Well, well, also here. Like I read, 
I read like books from Dan Gilbert on the, on positive psychology mm-hmm. and happiness yeah. because I'm, I'm also obsessed with the intersection of where researchers say, Hey, we've discovered this about, about people. And we're like, and in my mind, I go, yes, that's what the Bible has said all along. <laughs> we've known this. Right. So in research I'm doing for this book on fear and anxiety and worry, um, and I started it when I did Breaking Busy, is researchers say, well, sure enough, it looks like people have more long term happiness and joy when they do kind things for other people Mm. than when they get Mm self-gain. Well, and they're shocked by this. Right. So I I love finding those things in research books. I'm such a nerd. It's why input is my big strength. (laughs) It's not it's not a nerdy. We need you. We need you, Allie, to to. (laughs) <laughs> to, to see these things uh, for sure. Um, okay, what are three things you're loving? Like three things that you're like, I have to text my girlfriend right now and tell her about this. Okay, I'm a movie girl. I love movies. Love, love, love movies. So normally I will text my girlfriends when they have to take their kids to movies because I'm more of like a Pixar or superhero mm-hmm. movie girl okay. than a deep dark movie girl. So I recently took the kids to the Peach Dragon. I have not seen yet, but I've heard so many good things. I was wrecked. I cried so hard. I have not cried in a movie that hard since Bing Bong sacrificed himself in Inside Out. Oh, that is such a good movie, too. <laughs> I, like, Pete Dragon is right up there with Bing Bong sacrifice. I just can't deal. I cried so hard that my nine-year-old was like, Mommy, I don't have any tissue. I had to take my tank top <laughs> under my shirt and just, like, wipe my eyes into my shirt in the movie theater. I was a wreck. So, so, that's a, I do that's like crying in movies like that. I don't know. It brings some, it brings some kind of freedom. But I, my girlfriend said she cried, like, three times in the movie. Yes. Because at the beginning, they get you. Then they get you at the end. Oh, oh, I'm telling you. Just don't even wear mascara. Bring some tissues. It's amazing. It's on our list to take the kids to see. So we'll okay. see it soon. Good, good, good. Um, I'm also, I, I will text people when they have to get an app. I love apps mm-hmm. because like I've said, I'm obsessed with my phone. Um, I am, I've told everybody that I know to try the app one second every day. Okay. It's free. And basically you just take once you take a one second snippet of a video that you take during the day and it plays it all together. And so my kids and I are obsessed with it. They will do something fun or, you know, build a Lego creation. They'll go, mom, make this your one second every day. And at least once a week, they want to watch the whole, the whole year go by because we started January 1st. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I get it now. I don't know why I was slow to this. You take a second video today and a second video tomorrow and a second video. And then at the end of the year, it's one big movie. Well, sort of. Okay. So it'll take what's on, on your camera roll, the videos you've taken that day. And then you can pick which one you want, and then you choose one second of it. Okay. And so the way I do it is I have a reminder from my reminders app that pops up every night at seven o'clock and another one at nine, because I know myself that says do one second every day. Okay. And it's so fun. And if you skip a day, you can cheat and use a video from another day. And I do cheat because I want all my days filled out. For sure. Yeah. So that's what I love. That's an app. And then... um, uh, I always share movies, always share apps, always share books. The book I'm telling everybody to read right now is Bianca Oltoff's Play With Fire. Oh, I have not read it, but she was just uh, the guest that came out on the Happy Hour yesterday or two mm-hmm. days ago, Wednesday. Um, and it was one of my favorite shows ever because she's just amazing and wonderful. Um, but tell me, why do you love the book? Well, I, I actually got to read it this past summer so to do a blurb for it. and because I do enjoy things that'll kind of give me that emotional hit and bring out things in me like Pete's dragon. I texted her from the side of the pool and I said, I have cried seven times in this book. I am, I'm on the side of the pool with my children with sunglasses on sobbing at the story of your mother. Like I can't give it away. Um, but Bianca is one of the most amazing storytellers and communicators that I've ever been around. Mm. And the way that she tells her story of transformation, she ties it up with the transformation that God wants to do in our lives is so powerful. Um, being, being an author myself, I tend to be pretty hard on books, mm-hmm. right? So, I'll, I, I, you know, I'm a skimmer. I'll read the first couple of chapters and go, okay, I get it. Uh-huh. And then I won't finish a book. Um, I read it the whole way through and it made me cry, which is amazing. I don't think a book has made me cry in the 
like hers did since a million miles in a thousand years. Mm, and I, I, I love that book. It. Yeah. It, that's, that's a must read. Mm-hmm. I even made my teenagers read it. Oh, I loved it. It's the first time I ever was like, I mean, I remember a lot from the book, but I'm like, I want to go hike uh, Machu Picchu. Well, the, what inspired me about that book was before, before I ever started writing, he did this, he had this part in it where he's watching the tour and he decides he's going to become a biker and he just leans back on his couch and pumps his legs in the air. Uh (laughs) And it was just a hilarious moment that it wasn't all that flattering, like a super vulnerable story. And I thought when I write a book, Uh This is what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to tell the truth. I want to be able to tell the stories the way it happened and have people who read it go, dang, I can't believe she just admitted that. About right. Herself. That's where things get real. And that's where things happen. And that's what people really want. It is. Yeah. You know, it's totally what they want. Um, speaking of crying, I was at uh, my son's football practice last night. And I've decided that, well, this was also like, I I didn't know what to do here because I don't know what you do, but when my kids have practices, I never can decide from working out versus reading a book or like making friends. And I always either work out or read. And it's not that I want to be a bad friend. I just feel like this is like a time that I can do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like trying to fill my day like best way possible. For me, I I am an introvert who can be extroverted when the time comes. Uh-huh. But by the end of the day, by the time a sports practice comes around, a lot of times I'm just done. Oh, me too. Yes. Done. And I've done yeah. this all day, like, you know, talking to people, which I love. Um, but anyhow, the point of my story was I was walking around the track and I was listening to a podcast. Christy Knuckles has a new podcast out called Glorious in the Mundane. Hold on. Is it the moment, Beth? Moore? Yes. Yes. I just listened to that this morning. Come on, Beth Moore. She was just in Nashville. She said stuff at Living Proof Live in Nashville. I just wanted to lay down on the floor and be like, well, let me tell you, read my journal, Beth. Like Beth was amazing on the podcast, but I was crying before Beth even came on the show when Christy was like reading the letter that she wrote to her parents on their 50th anniversary. I mean, I texted Christy. I'm like, I'm bawling. Thank you. At at football practice as I try to run. And I'm, I might, I think I might die because I'm running. Um, But so when you're talking about like texting Bianca, I was like, I did the same thing last night. I just said, I'm crying. It's so good. Um, I, I'm loving her new show. And of course, Beth was amazing on there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he- hello, best podcast ever with the two of them together. So good. Fantastic. I mean, not not as good as this. Oh, one. you're so sweet. But no, it's amazing. <laughs> I texted Christy and told her this is amazing. So good. Beth said something interesting that I even told my husband about this morning. She was talking about um, when she was teaching Sunday school so many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at first Baptist Houston, I mean, 20 something years ago, she started doing this and she said the thing about churches today, and she's like, I'm not bashing the church at all. Um, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to, to get that gift of teaching in because there's no Sunday school classes. Yeah. And I was like, man, it, that's like, a, she wasn't saying we need this or this is bad or this is good or this is worse. She was just making a point. And I was like, man, that, there's a lot of truth to that. Well, and I just in my own life. I've realized I've never exercised the gift of teaching a small group of people before. Like I can, I can go do a keynote mm-hmm. to thousands of people and I'm comfortable. But now that I'm hosting a propel group in my local church, I'm like, Oh, Oh, the small groups of people mm-hmm. and, and, and the flow and how to, how to, you know, take the little things and make sure it works for every person. I have, no experience doing yeah. that. And it's been yeah. super humbling for me that I needed to strengthen that muscle. I mean, um, it's because we don't have opportunities to do it yeah. at yeah. all. She said something else really interesting in that, in that podcast, I wrote it down. It's up on my bulletin board. I wrote it down this morning. She said, one thing I think we are hurt by in the body of Christ is we think we have to be great at something before we even give it a try. Oh my gosh. I just got chills again. She was, ta- she was talking to Christy about when Christy was speaking, yes. right? And she said that about yep. us women. Yes, it's so good. It's great. And we, we do. We hold ourselves back mm-hmm. because we're not at such and such level. Yeah. We don't have enough information. You know, our, our lives are too much of a mess behind the scenes. Hello, everybody right. is. It's right. called being a human. Uh-huh. Um, or we compare ourselves to someone that's been doing something for 10 years or 20 years. That is, it's how the enemy holds us back because we believe that lie that we have to be perfect. Oh, I, that's so true. And I look at my life. Um, I wanted to do a podcast for about a year before I did, but I thought, how can I do a podcast if it's not going to be like this American life? I mean, 
they're so oh, good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's the thing that I've noticed about myself. And actually I want to go back to talking about you having a podcast in a minute. I have noticed I am more willing to do things publicly if numbers aren't publicly attra- attached to it. Ooh. Because I know if if I go on That's really good. And then like everybody knows five people watched, then it'll flip my shame triggers. Uh-huh. But if I can keep those numbers quiet and build up slowly, then for some reason I'm more willing not to quit. I think it's just an insecurity uh-huh. of mine. But I remember and this this speaking of insecurity, the first if gathering uh-huh. Um, behind the scenes, that's where I first met yep. you. And I remember sitting on the couch being so intimidated because I didn't know I was doing anything behind the scenes. And ah, what am I going to do? I'm um, second guessing myself. And you were there, you were doing the interview. And I remember watching you going, that woman has a gift of communication. Why isn't, why isn't she everywhere? Like, why doesn't she have a podcast? And now you have a podcast and like a million people listen to it. So it's just confirmation for me what I saw in you. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. It means a lot. I I really do truly love doing this. But I just, I remember how much that fear held me back. I don't know if I could, you know, is it's not going to be great. I don't want to try it. And it's so true. Like greatness doesn't happen overnight. Mm -mm. Or anybody. With five viewers or five listeners at the beginning, it's a buildup. Gary Vaynerchuk, who I don't know if you follow, um, he's business marketing guy, super crass. So just warn everybody mm-hmm. listening. He did this video recently talking about um, building up success and how nothing happens overnight. And he, his parents own this wine store in the Northeast. So he, he did wine TV and he would do YouTube videos. And he talked about how the first few years, nobody watched it. Well, he's like New York Times bestselling author, has a massive marketing company now, but he showed clips while he talked of every one of those first thousand videos one by one mm-hmm. that nobody watched. And it was such a great reminder to me that we aren't supposed to despise small beginnings. We are supposed to do our work in in secret and hone our skills and keep going and don't quit. Um, that's the real recipe for success. That's so I, mean, true. I, I often will want to take myself out of the game. I'll let insecurity get to me. And I've had this mantra that I tell myself, and that is, um, show up, be me, love others and don't quit. Mm, that's good. If I do four things. I'll be okay. But I have a tendency not to show up and take myself out of it. I have a tendency to focus on myself and not love others because I'm feeling insecure. I have the tendency to not want to be who I am, to look around the room and see what other people want from me and try to behave that way. And I have the tendency when I get insecure, when I get uncomfortable, when things get hard, when you're, you're in that, that, that space in between beginning and success to want to quit. So if I focus on just those four simple things, I know I'll be okay. It's so good. Show up, love others, be me. And what's the last one? Don't quit. Don't quit. Mm -hmm. Keep moving. Nothing happens if you stop moving. Um, Allie, I have loved our chat today. Oh, thank you. I have loved it too. You are great and you're absolutely doing what you're called oh, to do. Oh, you're so sweet. I love it. It's my favorite thing I do. So it's so much fun. And these are my favorite kind of chats because I feel like we chatted about so many different things and it's what I would feel like that we would do if we really did meet in Nashville for coffee. Yep, absolutely. At what coffee shop would we meet at? What's your favorite one? Frothy Monkey, of course. Oh, okay, of course. Awesome. Um, okay. So seriously, thank you for listening. Uh, I mean, thank you guys that are listening for listening, but Allie, thank you for coming on. Seriously. Thank Thanks. you. Oh, and I do need to tell you at my last live happy hour, a lot of women walked home with your book, Breaking Busy. Get out of town. That's great. I know. So hopefully you. you got in some great women's hands, but anyway, thanks for coming on the show and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye, Jamie. Okay, guys, I knew that you would love Allie's conversation with myself today. Anyone just feel a little bit freer about all those birthday party invites that your kids get invited to? We need to just tell them to pick three and move on. Um, Thanks so much for listening to the show today. Today's show was edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Poe. This Friday, we have a happy half hour with my friend Laura Kelly, and then next week is the Christmas show. And this is one of my most favorite shows of the entire year. This year, my friend Rachel Hollis joined me, and we chatted about 13 different organizations that we think are great places for you to put your money towards this Christmas season. Um, everything from jewelry to aprons to pillows to organizers to to candles. 
to socks, all kinds of stuff, to popcorn. Yo, we have so much fun stuff in the show. And Rachel Hollis, I mean, we love her anyway. I told her she's practically a co-host as many times as she's been on the show. But that is next Wednesday for the Christmas show. And then the week after that, Ann Voskamp joins me. And oh my gosh, I had such an amazing interview with her. I loved chatting with her. It was the first time I ever really got to chat with Ann. And I adored her and now I want her to be my friend in real life which we are but I would like to like fly to Canada and have coffee with her Um, so stick around for those next two shows guys enjoy your week and share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend I will see you next week for the Christmas show Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.